Saltillo prison in Mexico decided they were going to tunnel under the prison, come out the other side of the wall, and dig up and come to their freedom. Took them about five months to dig the tunnel. Finally, on the last day, it was uh, April the 8th, 1976, they came up the other side, tunneled up, and found themselves in the courtroom where many of them had been prosecuted. All 75 were gathered up and returned to their cells that day. Now, the problem was not so much that what they were doing was illegal. The problem was they didn't know where they were going. They just blindly dug a tunnel. You know, when you don't know where you're going, sometimes you end up where you don't want to be. Well, some of us can be like, remember the, remember the story of Alice in Wonderland? And Alice finds herself in this magical kingdom, and she has a conversation with the Cheshire cat. And she says to the cat, Would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? The cat says, that depends a good deal on where you want to get to. Alice says, I don't much care where. Then, says the cat, it doesn't matter which way you go. And if you don't care where you go, it doesn't matter which way you went. But as a church, we're supposed to care about where we go. There's a Bible verse in Proverbs 19:18 says this. In the old King James Version, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, that's pretty serious. Our, our NIV version, the, the, the modern translation of that, says, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. It's the same idea, it's just in a more modern version. Where there is no revelation, that is a vision from God, the people cast off restraint. They, there's no restraint. They just go every which way. They have no direction. But God wants us to have a direction. He wants us to have His direction. And He has designed a, a vision for His church. And one way we as a church are responding to that vision is through this Pray and Go campaign that we have started and that we're really kicking off today uh, to get people involved in getting out and doing this. Um, we've been talking about this for the last three weeks. Dennis Holbrook is the chairman of our campaign, and Dennis is going to come and, and talk to us a little bit about it. All right, we've been talking about this for three weeks, and I know we're getting kind of redundant with you, so we're going to quit talking about it, but we're going to get to work. A couple of things I want to remind you of. The do's and don'ts sheet is back there on the Welcome Center if you've lost yours. But it really boils down to be safe. Don't go into a yard with dogs and, uh, you know, if there's a fence all the way around the yard and stuff like that, don't do that. Uh, you've got your door hangers, leave them on the fence. Uh, I can't tell you, you can leave them on the mailbox, but, you know, uh, leave them on the windshield of the car, whatever. Uh, you don't, don't put yourself in any jeopardy at any time. But you get your door hangers today. Everybody got 10. We've told you we wanted you to pass out to 10. Well, I'm going to change that today. I don't really want you to pass out 10 of them. I want you to pass out nine of them. And one of them I want you to put on your kitchen table or on your bathroom mirror or on your mirror in your car, wherever you particularly are going to see it. And when you see it, you remember to pray for this campaign. This is, this is all about the prayer. 
We, we want to reach people in our community. We want to make a difference for our community. But what is central to this is the prayer. We, we pray and we let the Holy Spirit work. So I encourage you to reach out to your neighbors. Let's make a difference to our community, to the people we know, to people we don't know, just because they know we love them and we care enough about them to be praying for them. So let's pray, folks. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for being so, so good to us. We thank you for making us a part of Central and what Central means to us. And we ask, Lord, now that you would just bless this campaign and allow us to reach some folks and let folks feel your love through us and know that we care about them because you love us and you taught us to love. And, Lord, we just ask that you would... Help us to reach folks, and we would make a difference, and then they might come to know you through this and through allowing your spirit to crack the door open for them in this manner. Lord, we thank you for loving us so much that Jesus died for us, and it's in his name we ask these things. Amen. All right, we've talked about it. We've passed out the door hangers. We bored you to death with it. We prayed about it. We hope you've been praying individually. Only one thing left. Let's go. So I'm going to raise a question today. Why should we be concerned about going to reach people for Christ? Why should we do that? Why should we care? Well, the answer to that, and to answer that, you've got to understand the purpose of the church. Now, I know a lot of people are thinking about different things for the purpose of the church. Some might say, well, it's a place to worship. And by the way, we had a really good time of worship today. We strung those three songs together, and, and uh, I think that's good uh, to allow us to get into the worship. Some people would say, well, the church is supposed to be a place of prayer. Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. Other people would say, uh, a church is a place to teach God's Word, and, and that's a good uh, purpose for the church. Some would say it's a place to meet spiritual needs, and, of course, it is that. It's a place to help the poor or the downtrodden, the less fortunate. And some would say, well, it's really a place for Christian fellowship. And the answer is yes. It's all of that. But it's so much more than that. And all of those purposes mentioned fit into the grand scheme of, of what God wants for His church. I heard about a church in uh, New York City, University Church of Christ, had a sign on the front door, gone out of business. We didn't know what our business was. And you know, we got to be about the Father's business. That's what Jesus said when he was just a little boy. He said, didn't you know I'd be about my Father's business? And God has given us his business that he wants us as a church to take care of. And all of that relates to an overarching idea, a vision that God has for his church. And before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave this to his apostles. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 28. We did put the pew Bibles back out. Uh, it's on page 811 in that Bible, if you didn't bring one. And Matthew, of course, is one of three other Gospels, uh, uh, four Gospels altogether, that tell the life and times of Jesus Christ, tell his story and how this all began. And they all record some stories about Christ. Some of them record them in a little different way, as John mentioned in his communion meditation. But one of the stories that Matthew brings is one of the last things that Jesus said to his apostles before he was taken up to heaven. 
uh, Jesus did appear to his apostles after his resurrection for a period of 40 days. He came in and out of their lives, and he taught them different things. But this particular time is one of the most significant things that Jesus taught to his disciples. In fact, we've come to call this the Great Commission. It's a commission for the church and sort of the church's marching orders. So look at Matthew chapter 28, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's what we call the Great Commission. That's sort of the business of the church. You know, to be honest with you, if a church doesn't get on with the business that Jesus told them to, the church will put up a sign that says, Gone out of business. And we want to stay in business. So here's the first thing I want you to think about. Jesus calls us to make disciples as we go about our lives. That's what he's called us to do. And the why we do that is because Jesus said all authority has been given to him. He's, he's in charge. And, but we need to get the correct meaning of what he's saying in this passage. To do that, we have to go back just a little bit and look at some of the Greek grammar that this was originally written in. Now, you go back to fifth grade when you really started learning a lot about English, and I'm, I, I hope I do this justice, but I want to teach you a little bit about grammar, especially about Greek grammar and what Jesus is saying. The main verb in this passage is make disciples. Make disciples. That's the main verb. That's, that's what Jesus is saying he wants his church to do. Now there are three words that modify that verb, make disciples. And they are the words go and baptizing and teaching. They are participles. They modify a verb. And so we have these, uh, these participles that modify that. Now, another thing you need to know that you won't see in the English language is that Jesus gave this in the imperative mood. There's a, there's a big phrase you can use. You can get $20 for that out in the public. Imperative mood. That means it should have an exclamation point by it. It, it is a command. Jesus is saying to do that. You know, like when your little child is getting ready to run out in front of the traffic and you yell, Stop! That's the force that Jesus carries with this. Jesus is saying, Go make disciples! It's a command that He's calling these people to do. And, and that's why we should do it. Because He calls us to do it. Now, how about how do we do it? Well, that's tied up in the word go. And the word go that's used here in the Greek language doesn't just mean make a plan and go somewhere. It means as you go. It means as you go about living your life, as you journey about whatever you're doing in life, try to make disciples. And so Jesus is calling all of us to be part of that. And what do we do to make disciples? Baptize and teach. 
Now, we need to think about that for just a minute. Probably before you baptize somebody, you need to do a little teaching. You need to share the gospel. You wouldn't want to just grab somebody by the nap of the neck and say, I'm baptizing you in the name of Jesus. They wouldn't know what for. So you've got to teach a little bit. What does the Scripture teach about why we should be baptized? Well, you know, the Bible says we're all sinners, right? Me, you, Billy Graham, the Pope, we've all sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And sin separates us from God, but God wants to have fellowship with us, so He sent Jesus to be a sacrifice, to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for our sin, and through faith in Him, we can find forgiveness. But He also says that we need to confess Him as Lord, to repent of our sin, and be baptized. In Acts 2.38, it says uh, that we should be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And then he wants us to become part of his kingdom, his church here on earth. I like to share it like this. Five easy steps. A, B, C, D, E. A, admit that I'm a sinner. B, believe that Jesus died for my sins. C, confess that he is my Lord and Savior. D, demonstrate I believe by repentance and being baptized, and then E, engage in the local church. It's a simple way to remember that. We have a brochure at the back. If you want that, you can pick one of those up at the Welcome Center that talks about that. And so if we're teaching people the proper way and what they need to do, then that's what we teach. But now I know somebody's going to say, wait a minute now, preacher. You, you look at this passage. He's talking to the apostles about going. He didn't say nothing to me. Well, you got to read the whole passage there because he says, go and make disciples. And then what does he say on down? And teach them to obey all I commanded you. So everything he taught the apostles, we're supposed to learn and we're supposed to do as well. So we can't get out of this. Jesus has called us to go, make disciples, baptizing and teaching. That's his commission to us. That's, that's the church. Now, there's a lot that, it, that that involves, but we need to know that that's what we're called to do. Now, some might be saying, what is a disciple? How, how do I know if I'm a disciple? What is, what is a real disciple? Here's what a disciple is simply. A disciple is a baptized follower of Jesus Christ. It's one who has learned the gospel and what it means. It's one that has committed their life to Jesus to follow his teaching. Now, it's not just someone that maybe, you know, when they were sitting in church somewhere, nine years old, they said a prayer, and then they never gave it any more thought. Or somebody, somebody said, you know, if you want to be saved, raise your hand, and somebody raised their hand, and then they never, they never followed through on anything that Jesus said. They don't even really know who Jesus is or why he came to earth. Real faith, real faith. And you will not get into heaven with counterfeit faith or belief, whatever you want to call it. It's the same word in the Greek. But the real faith, the real belief is not just acknowledging that Jesus existed. It's believing that we need to follow Him, that we need to seek Him out, that we need to have a relationship with Him. Listen to what Jesus says now oh, back in Matthew chapter 16. This is, this is one of the tough sayings of Jesus. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now that's not easy. When you think about what he's saying, deny yourself, that is, 
to set aside my ego and say, Jesus, I want for my life what you want for my life. I'm willing to do that. And then he says, take up your cross. In the first century, the cross was the electric chair. You know, is an instrument of death. And what Jesus is saying, you've got to commit your life to this. You've you got to die to the old self and take up your cross today. That's a commitment of my life to Jesus. And a sacrifice. You know, Jesus was willing to sacrifice for us. And what was the basis for that sacrifice? Love. And really, in the grand scheme of things, what Jesus is calling us to do is to live a life of sacrificial love. That's what it means to take up your cross. And then he says, follow me. We learn from his ways. We, uh, we employ his habits into our everyday life. And I know some of you are sitting there and you're saying, I, I just don't know if I can do that. I say that often. Jesus, I don't know if I can do everything you want me to do. And you know what? You would be right. Without faith and without the Holy Spirit coming into your life, you probably can't do it on your own. But God gives us the Holy Spirit to guide us, to direct us, and to help us along our way as we seek to follow Jesus. I'm glad he put verse 25 in here. Verse 24 says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. But verse 25 says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. You see what Jesus is saying is the fulfillment of life, the finding of real life happens when we commit our lives to Him. That's what He's calling us to. And we're going to start a, a, a series next week called Disciple. And we're going to look into, you know, what, what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, to be a real disciple. And we'll learn more about that. But I, you need to realize what we have in Jesus Christ as our Savior. You know, I heard about this guy. He was a pretty rich guy. You know, he had money to burn. And he decided he wanted to do something special for his, for his, for his mother for her birthday, she was elderly, she was, you know, homebound, she didn't have a lot of friends, she didn't have a lot of, uh, a lot of company, and she was lonely. He came across this parrot that spoke 4,000 words and spoke several languages and was just talking, running off at the mouth all the time. He thought that'd be the perfect gift. My mother can have conversation with the parrot. It'll just be great. And so this parrot was $50,000. It was no problem for this man. He wrote a check. He couldn't deliver it himself, but he had it delivered to her house. And he called her the next day and he said, Mom, what'd you think about the gift? She said, Son, it was delicious. I cooked it for dinner last night. She didn't know what she had. You know, a lot of times we're like that with Jesus. We really don't know what we have until we commit our lives to Him. And we begin to follow Him, and we see the blessings that lie upon the path that He wants to take us down. Now, there's a third thing I want you to think about. Jesus uses disciples in various ways to make more disciples. You know, Jesus has called His whole church to be involved in this disciple-making process. What Jesus wants is disciples 
who make disciples. Now that may sound cliche, but that's what he wants. And not everybody's going to play the same part in the process. Okay? When we become a disciple, God gives us a spiritual gift that we can all use. Everybody gets at least one that they can use to help further the work of the church and to build the kingdom. Each believer has at least one gift. Now, not everybody's going to be a teacher. Not everybody is going to be a leader. Not everybody's going to be a preacher. Not everybody's going to be an evangelist. Not everybody's going to be out front leading something. Not everybody is, is going to do the same job. But we all have a job to do within the kingdom to help further the church and help build up the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you has a part in it. So every one of us has something that we can contribute to the church. Now, there are some things that not all of us can do, but there are some things that most all of us can do. One of those things is pray. You know, if you can think, you can pray. And you can go before God. That's why this Pray and Go campaign is so simple. Because we can all pray. And you know what? Most of us can go. Most everyone in here can go to a couple of houses, maybe down the street, and put a door hanger out and pray over that house. This is something that's simple to do. And we can all do this. Why? Because Jesus called us to go. And this is a way that we can go and we can be united. And we've committed to this as a church over the next year to try to get this out. Now, I hope you'll do your neighborhood, your street. You'll let us know. We're going to have a map back there where we can start tracking. We'll see pins fill up that map where we've, we've gotten into all these areas. That's going to be really neat to see that. And as Dennis said, you can continue to pray for the campaign every day. You know what else? We're going to carry this on. You know, after everybody gets their neighborhood done, there'll be a lot of other areas to go to. And so we're looking for some volunteers. There's a list you can sign. And if you'll sign that list, then just to go one hour, one time a month. And we'll pair you up with somebody, or you can, you can pair up with somebody and say, we'll be a team, and just one hour a month, and we'll help you find an area that hasn't been... Uh, uh, door hanged yet I don't know what the terminology is for that but we'll help you find an area where you can go and, and take care of that specific area you know we're going to try to carry this out for the next year and we hope we reach most of the Bristol area over that time but it takes the right attitude you know as I was thinking about the kind of attitude you got to have to say you know I want to follow Jesus and I want to go and I want to help be a part of making disciples. And I came across this thing. This is preacher C.T. Studd said this. Some people wish to live within the sound of church or a chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. He wants to reach the lost people. And you know what? Let's face it. The Bible teaches that those people, that's, their, their, their destiny is not good. You know what hell is? It's a place where the absence of God, that's what it is. And that's a place that he's prepared for those that don't know his son Jesus.
the lost. You know, they're dying. They're headed for trouble. Many of them unchurched. And so we want to pray that they'll find a church. may not be this church, but it'll be some church. Hopefully many of them will come to this church. And we want to pray and begin to lift them up and let them know that there's somebody here in Bristol that cared enough to pray and to put a door hanger on their house. Now here's our connection today. A commitment to pray and go will lead to more people connecting to Christ. And that's really the goal. To connect them to Christ so they can become disciples. And the more people we pray for, the more the Holy Spirit's going to work. And the more the Holy Spirit moves, the more people are going to come to know Jesus and connect to Him. I'm excited to see what will happen through Pray and Go. To see what will happen to our church members as they tell stories about how they were you know, maybe a little afraid to do this, but after they got started, they, they felt the Holy Spirit working. And the only thing that's going to get in the way is going to be us. That's the only thing that can get in the way of the success of this program. Because I guarantee you, God is waiting, and the Holy Spirit is just waiting on us to begin to do this. I want to close with this story. You may have heard it before. It's about four people. It's named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job, and everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. You know? We're all everybody, anybody, somebody, and everybody. And we can all do this. We can go and help Jesus make disciples, baptizing and teaching. You know what? I want you to remember as we close today two phrases out of what Jesus said in this passage. In verse 18, he said, All authority has been given to him. And in verse 20, he said this, I'm with you always. Jesus will be with you. He's commanded you to go, but he says, I'm going with you. So when you go and you pray, Jesus is right there by your side. Let's do this, church. Let's, let's, let's do this. Let's make this one of the most successful campaigns that we've ever done in the history of this church. Let's see people come to Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for your word, for your son Jesus, Lord. And he did not leave us here without instructions. He says, go make disciples. And Lord, we want to do that. We want to be a church that's inside your will. And we want to strive to do that to the best of our ability. This is one way. You know, another way, we can just make friends and share the gospel with people. But this way, you know, in addition to that, we'll, we'll reach a lot of people through prayer and the Holy Spirit that we might not otherwise we reach. So we pray, Father, that you would bless our efforts as a church as we go. We pray and go. And, Lord, that you would honor those prayers. And, Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit ahead of us to soften hearts and to reach people that they might come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. It's in his strong name that we pray and praise today. Amen.